Hello, everybody. I'm Steve Costello. My partner in crime over there, if that's one way to put it, is Leo Farberg. We'll introduce one another in a moment. But just before we do that, I thought I'd just mention that yesterday was World Mental Health Day. What, just for a day? Surely it needs to be every day. Mental health is something that uh, Leo and I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, and it's something that's very important. We can't just do it for a day. It's not enough. And one of the things that uh, I was talking about with somebody in particular yesterday was that your mental health starts with you. It's all about you. It's not about me. It's not about Leo. But you don't have to do it alone. That's the key thing that I, I wanted to show that people understand. Because often people say to me, I've got nobody to talk to. Who can help? Where do I go to get support with this? Well, Please remember, you don't have to do it alone. And you and I will talk about how you can get help, what sorts are available, what sort of groups we run, and so on and so forth. But that's kind of jumping the gun a bit, isn't it? So who is Leo Farberg? Hi, guys. I'm, um, my name is Leo, as Steve mentioned. And we are friends and colleagues and business partners and we are both uh, at uh, at uh, mental health services and we've been there for many years <clears throat> that that were uh, like we we met by chance on facebook and um, found that we are very close in our uh, motivation and skill and uh, ideology and <clears throat> our uh, mission to serve as mental health professionals and again i i can agree completely that uh, your mental health does not depend on a professional professionals are there to help you get through whatever you're facing whatever you're sensing whatever you're experiencing uh, and uh, make it the best possible way for you to um, to find your uh, balance, actually, because life is never, uh, you know, happy and pleasant unless you see it and experience it as happy and pleasant. And so probably that's something Steve and I want to promote uh, with our podcast and with, with our work with our groups. Absolutely. Thanks, Leo. And one of the things that <laughs> leapt into my mind just then was <clears throat> is my favorite saying from Dr. Wayne Dyer. He said, change the way you look at things and the things that you look at will change. Just think about that for a minute. It's entirely true. I believe it to be true, at least. <laughs> we'll come back to that in, in uh, future episodes. But change the way you look at things. Things that, look at, things that you look at will change. So, Steve Costello, who is he? Years ago, I qualified as a youth and community worker in the UK, so I was mostly with young people, their parents and families um, in U on UK housing estates, all kinds of issues, all kinds of challenges. Most of them psychological, some of them societal um, income, all those kinds of things. It's quite a complicated area to work in. Eventually, I started to say, well, I'm a qualified counsellor because of my first degree, and I really need to spend more time working on 
psychotherapy and the psychology of what was happening with these young people and families. So I qualified as a psychologist and the rest, as they say, my favorite way of working is with groups, although I do obviously do work with individuals, working with individuals as well. But groups are such a powerful place to work. Sorry, Leo. I, I just wanted to support this idea because uh, I'm good at, at personal counseling and psychotherapy, but there are so many things that groups promote better than individual work, and uh, it's a very valuable tool. Yeah, absolutely. So groups are a big thing. Now, if you would like to talk to us, I'm just going to put some information on which is great for people who are catching the audio version of the video version there, not so great for the audio. So, audio people, you can send private messages to me, Steve Costello, on LinkedIn. Just search Steve Costello, you'll find Or WhatsApp is perhaps an easy way. Or telephone if you like. I'm in France. I'm on plus plus zero zero three three seven six seven five four five 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 seven that's zero zero three three seven six seven four five 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 seven leave a message anytime you'll always get a reply okay so what are we going to talk about what are we going to be talking about today well today we're going to be talking about grief and i've been a little bit sneaky i'm also going to add some things in into that mix addiction as well um, because there is a connection between grief and addiction i just want to go back a little bit to the early summer when my mum got very sick and I went to visit her and I thought this isn't good this is probably the end of the road and sure enough less than two weeks later she passed away and I felt upset and I felt sad a little bit lost I felt several of the stages of grief have been talked about since the 1960s. I'm not going to go through those stages now because we'll mention them as we as we go through this conversation. So I felt lots of things going on. But one of the things that kept me positive and kept me going in a sense was that uh, we didn't have any bad blueners. Everything was positive. We had some good, good things happening in life. We had some challenging things happening in life too. But my belief in the circle of life kept me strong. I know that we're born, we live life, and then we die. There's nothing we can do about that except make sure to fill up the bit in the middle with good, positive, joyful things that make us happy and so on and so forth. So for me, my grief passed fairly easily. One of the interesting things with some people is that their grief doesn't pass so easily. They get stuck, they get lost. They're forever grieving over the person who passed. And a member of my family is in this situation right now. He's sharing photographs constantly of mum photographs, I call them. You know, they're not all, they don't all have her in the picture. She was alive at the time they were taken. You know, so he's constantly doing this. So what we do to help people who are stuck, why are they stuck? What is it that puts them in that place? Are they addicted to something? Are they addicted to the parent, the person who passed? 
I don't. I think there there are some <clears throat> some evidence that uh, grief might look like a, a almost like an addiction because uh, there are so many uh, specific uh, neural pathways ways are uh, involved into building a picture of somebody in 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 your presence, someone you love, someone you are connected to, someone you have. Uh, difficult emotions with towards some person and when this person dies uh, there are so many things to be changed in your mind and in your brain physically uh, so yes uh, grief is a very special process a very special emotion uh, that can on one hand is natural and should be uh, processed through and on the other hand, as any process can be uh, complicated with some different one with different things. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was <laughs> My computer did. Let's go slow. So I told yeah. it to mute me. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, a lot of grief is complicated let's 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 start from that point so how can we turn the tables this show is all about turning the tables so how can we turn turn the tables on grief is it something that we need to we need to do do we need to turn those tables or do we need need to just allow grief to take it to run its course and eventually it'll be better it'll feel nicer what is the, the thing about keeping going? It takes courage to keep going. It takes courage to deal with grief. Okay, there we go. I had some uh, some problems with internet connection. So concerning grief um, and uh, the way it goes, um i think that right now the whole world is grieving because so many things are happening at different parts of the world that makes make us all uh, rethink of uh, the stability of the world something that we used to and we were always hoping that things will go the way we want and the way we like and the way the way that we used to live uh, but things are changing and they are inevitable in some way we don't know what's gonna happen happen uh, what, what in what what will happen in particular to us to the families to our, us personally to the glo in the global picture but and so there uh, what I would like to uh, mention here is that we usually think of grief is as something happens, then the process start starts. But very often, this something is 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 coming, and we know it's coming, and we feel it's coming. So there is a particular thing that we can start grieving ahead and let ourselves grieve already, because we we are now witnessing the world changing, and it makes us 
uh, anxious, but uh, anxiety is a, a difficult emotion. It's, it, it usually appears when we don't know what's going on. But And grief is not a pleasant emotion by, by all means. But at the same time, when we realize that we are anxious about the change and not knowing where it goes, we can switch, let ourselves switch to grieving now already. Uh, because we have to transform our minds uh, and make them open to whatever happens, even if it's, uh, it's something un unpleasant, something we don't want to face, but still we are facing it or we are going there. That's why probably today it is important to talk about grief, uh, like starting the grieving process already. What do you think, Steve? I was just thinking about uh, a few of the things that you said just now, Leo, triggered thoughts about grief being a natural emotion. It is a natural emotion. Mm -hmm. It's nothing we should be in a way. And certainly I've had clients who have felt that the grief they're suffering, and it's not always the grief caused by the loss of a loved one. It can be the grief caused by the loss of a job, for example. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly the same, but similar it is. So people often say, I don't want to talk about it. It's not something that I want to share openly. But it's important to share it openly because by doing so enables us to communicate how we feel. So if Leo communicates how, how he feels to me, I understand, I begin to understand him. I can empathize with him. I can hear what he's got to say. I maybe need to give him a little nudge about what he can do about it. Maybe don't, but at least I can hear because he's communicating. So it's, grief is a natural emotion and it should be, always be treated that way. There are, there are times with grief, though, when there's a lack of logic. And that's difficult sometimes, isn't it? So there's no logic to what happened. There's no logic to the fact that somebody died 10 years maybe before they should have died, if we can put dates to it. The logic to the fact that I worked for a very productive company that suddenly decided that it was going to close its doors and make everybody redundant. There's no logic to that. So that hurts in, ter in terms of the grieving process. It becomes complicated. Recently, somebody asked, how long does grief last? And that is an impossible question. Because it lasts five minutes, five days, five weeks, five hours, whatever. You can't say that it's how I manage it. It's how Leo manages it. It's how you manage it. There are many different ways. There are many different timescales for how long grief is going to last. One of the important things to consider when we're thinking about grief is the words that we speak to ourselves thinking about our inner voice or our inner critic. We often talk about a critic. You know, that little voice at the back of your head that kind of nags you when you're doing something that it thinks you shouldn't. But they play a very large part in all, all aspects of a life. 
So the words we're speaking to ourselves, we need to be aware of them. They're not going to be able to cover this properly here and now, but this is something we talk about quite often in groups. What words affect our lives? What words affect our grieving? And I'm talking about personal words, words that we say to ourselves. We need to think about those things. With some people, grief might have been 12 months ago, but it feels like yesterday. Some people, that 12 months ago, seem like a lifetime ago. And it's all about the way we're looking at the situation. And that's something important to bear in mind. So we'll come back to that one in a minute. I just want to mention something interesting. And this does relate to my grief of my grand, one of my grandfathers. He passed wow, <laughs> a long time ago, <laughs> 1983, 80, like that. I can't remember exactly. One of the things that I always remember about my granddad, apart from the fact that he was a nice guy, he was very friendly, very gentle, was that he smoked a pipe and he always smoked the same pipe tobacco. Whenever I smell that pipe tobacco, wherever I might be in the world, it reminds me of my granddad. That's the first thing that comes to my head, my granddad. Now that grieving in my head, that's a happy memory. But for people, the smell of that tobacco might well reignite the grief process because the grief hasn't been properly worked through yet. And that's what Leo and I seek to work around, seek to avoid, seek to enable people to find ways of managing their grief and moving on. At the end of the day, we don't have much choice. We can't bring a person back, we can't bring a job back or whatever is lost. I think that's enough for me for now, Leo. <laughs> have you any comments on what we're talking about? I also have some uh, experience uh, in counseling and of course, personal experience with grief. Uh, we, the, of course, there are so many aspects uh, to grief and to loss and to bereavement. And uh, when we speak about how long the grief might take, the grieving process, it really depends on how much you were attached to uh, the person you've lost or to something you've had you, you and you've lost. Uh, because we're not necessarily relating grief to losing uh, a person we can relate we can grieve on losing a job a thing uh, a, a location uh, a, a symbolic figure like uh, a, uh, some favorite musician or uh, like I I know um, I, I'm not in Britain and I'm not British <clears throat> but uh, just recently your country lost uh, your queen, and uh, many people have different attitudes towards her. Uh, but even for me, not being an uh, an, an English or English speaking person, my English English is my second language. I'm not, I I could feel the grief. I could uh, empathize with with uh, the nation's grief, and I realized that uh, the attitudes may differ. Uh, but she is a symbol. She is a symbol of something 
of, of some stability because there are a few people in the country who who remember the times before she she was there before she became a queen the queen and uh, she uh, also uh, represents uh, the whole uh, like thousand years tradition of of royalty in Britain which is some part of 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 uh, the image of of the country of the culture and of course many people had some personal attitudes both positive and negative uh, because she also had this special vibe of, about her like being a mother and a grandmother <laughs> and uh, so uh, as if she was a regular person and so many people felt something personal about her and uh, i realized that uh, the, uh, her death triggered a lot of emotion in in the people and uh, <clears throat> what i can say here is that one thing symbolic losses are sometimes more com complicated than some personal losses because when you lose a mom or a grandma uh, or some relative a friend it's very very painful but it's someone you know knew personally you've got some experience uh related to this person you've got a lot of uh, a spectral emotion uh, to, uh, uh, towards this person and your your mind has to take time to process it and you have a, uh, some probably some tokens that remind you of this person a place where you can come like a grave or some special place you've shared where you can sit down and uh, express your grief grieving uh, and cry think about this person listen to a song that reminds you of this person, whatever. But when there is a symbolic loss, it's sometimes difficult to put it in words. Uh, and uh, it may be more complicated to process a symbolic loss sometimes. Uh, I've, I've dealt with it as when I worked uh, as a counselor for perinatal services because one uh, I was one of the first people in my country to start openly talking about perinatal loss, uh, which is some a special kind of loss because you still don't have a person, but you're expecting to meet a person. You're expecting to invite a person into your family and make it a part of a family. And, and uh, one other thing is... Uh, changing your status, becoming a mother and a father. Uh, because before having this uh, pregnancy, uh, this baby, you weren't, even if you have, you've had the kids before. But now you are becoming as a father or a mother of this particular coming person. And it's, it's a great symbol. It's a great status that you are uh, uh, you're changing. And if you lose a child, uh, if you lose a pregnancy, if you lose a, a baby in a very early uh, stage, so many people dismiss this fact. They say, well, that's okay. You, you, you didn't know. Um, you never met it, uh, the baby. Uh, just forget it and start all over. And next year you'll get pregnant again. And so many women are deeply scarred by, by such an attitude because in their minds they were building uh, the whole 
picture. Uh, it's and first of all, it's an emotional picture, and emotions are the main thing that we are to process. And uh, so this this might be uh, uh, an like. It, it can illustrate the idea of the symbolic loss. But back to the uh, a big loss, like like uh, the country just, just has just lost its queen, you might probably notice that you, that you were not so much uh, admire, that you didn't admire her so much or didn't like her, but for some reason you feel grief. And it is something that one thing is triggered by others around you grieving about your personal attitude to losing some picture of of this person being here all for so many years, probably before you were born. And another thing is that your previous, your personal losses get triggered too, because when you, you uh, see somebody's grief or you uh, synchronize w with the, with such uh, uh, big common loss, uh, your personal grief starts act activates, especially in the case when so many people are uh, taught not to show your grief, to to recover as soon as possible, just to keep your mouth shut and never mention because other people are very uncomfortable hearing about somebody's death or your loss. They don't like seeing you sad. And now the whole country is sad. And now the whole world is sad, uh, not for, for so many reasons. Uh, and you might feel that you kind of grieving more uh, about an event that probably you're not personally attached to. And again, I, I, I remind you, that might be your old grieving, your, your something that you stuffed away, uh, activating. So please let yourself grieve. Let yourself cry. Get, get out uh, the pictures or other um, memories to, to raise. And when you let your emotions go, when you let yourself take a pause and sit there crying or having sad thoughts or feeling uh, like tight in your chest, just let it be. Just sit there and, and let, let, let the feeling be felt and be sensed in, in the physical uh, sense. And uh, use the situation to grieve more, because this is the way to clear more uh, stuffed emotions, uh, and uh, it will get easier and lighter uh, f further on. Brilliant, thank you, Leo. I was just whilst you were talking, I was thinking about the thing called parasocial grief. Parasocial grief is a label often used by researchers. And it is, it's like a disruption to a person's experience of the world. So when the disruption occurs, and you just talked about Elizabeth II, so that was the disruption, she died. So our assumptive world, the assumptions we have in the world, 
is disrupted and it hurts. We don't like that. So the assumptive world suggests that we have strongly held assumptions about, about the world and these assumptions help to ground us, they keep us happily grounded and we're all okay. Then you take away the green and suddenly we're floating, drifting, and we're not quite sure what happened. So the thing with the queen was that people perceive that they share values with her or they admired the way she interacted with the world and that fits with their values. So there was a, a link of values in a sense. So when, what happened when she died, we lost a small part of ourselves. Some people lost a small part of themselves. It was taken away. Nothing they could do about it. That hurts. That causes grieving. So we need to be aware of things like that. But as we've said already, don't forget, Leo and I are here to help with these processes. There's a lot we can do. We can do it by working with individuals or working with groups. So leave us a message on what's happening. Import at the bottom of the screen, as I said, audio plus plus zero zero three three seven six seven five four five 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 seven. So let's just remember this whole thing about grief does also involve communication. Leo mentioned that some people don't want to hear that you're grieving, they know how to cope with it, and that's fair enough. But you do need to try to communicate how you're feeling. So if that means doing that with us, great. Right? If that means choose a friend, you can just tell every now and again how you feel. That's also great. But you don't. The best way is not to keep it in here, because in there, kick off the negative self-talk, and we get into all sorts of deep water because of that. That's something we'll have to cover in another episode of this show. Turning the tables. We will be here every Monday at 9 o'clock UK time. If you, you can catch us live, that's not a problem because this is a podcast. It's there whenever you need it. So just remember your favourite link and we'll see you there. Please also remember, if you've got a question, field the question. If you don't ask a question, it's a terrible question. Great questions are the ones that are asked. Every question is a great question. Oh, anything to say to finish off? Oh, I just want to thank you for being here with us. And uh, again, uh, and I can uh, also, uh, I, I, I want to ask you, please ask questions because it, it makes our podcast much easier because we don't have to think whatever scientific or practical thoughts we have, but we can become more practical answering your personal questions. Uh, and... Um, you'll get the most of, of our answers. Brilliant. Okay. See you all next week. Have a great week. Take care. See you. Bye-bye.